we will be releasing this episode on uh, Star Wars Podcast Day. Holy shit. This was an episode, wasn't it, John? In, uh, in Filoni, we trust. Amen. <laughs> I lie later to Luke, but she's like, you've got so much of your father in your Jesus and whatever. Hitting us in the feels. This starts that is Max Reaver, Sith Lord, Conspiracy Theories. <laughs> Welcome to episode 44 of Life Invaders Castle. As always, you're joined by your two hosts, myself, John Lee, and my co-host, Dan McCrory. How are you, Dan? Hello there. How are we doing? Yeah, all good. All good. I'm just going to start off this uh, this little podcast by saying, uh, in, uh, in Filoni we trust. Amen. <laughs> Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Uh, I'm sure we're going to get a lot of, uh, of Filoni appreciation <laughs> this week. <laughs> I'm sure yeah. we will. So I'll get in there nice and early. <laughs> um, we've actually got we've got a, a special episode today, John, because uh, we will be releasing this episode on uh, Star Wars Podcast Day, which is a, a great initiative that I'm not sure if it's one or multiple um, guys and gals have come up with over on Instagram, but their Instagram is Star Wars Pod Day, and I think this is their second time that they've done it and basically on the 7th of february every year they celebrate all the greatness of star wars podcasts because um it's now the 23rd anniversary of jedi talk which was the first ever star wars related podcast and uh it's just a way of celebrating all the great star wars podcasts out there and we're we're happy to be a part of it so uh, so happy star wars podcast day to everyone who's listening today on the 7th of february yeah, happy Star Wars podcast day. I mean, <clears throat> I mean, that's a that's quite a quite a day when you think about it. I mean, I'm sure you can look on Instagram and or Instagram, sorry, like Apple Podcast, Spotify, and there'll be hundreds that come up. So it's nice that there's a there's a nice. I think it's probably more like thousands. <laughs> well, yeah. So it's nice as a as a special day for it, and you know, obviously, shout out to the, to the OGs. They they uh, walk yeah. so we could run on these uh, oh. on these on this podcast. So. Shout couldn't, out to them. Oh, mate, couldn't put it better myself. They walked so we could run. They spoke so we could shout. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. It's, uh, it is really a pleasure to sit and talk about Star Wars for, for an hour and then have people listening. So it is. It's nice we have a day to celebrate yeah. it. Yeah, exactly. And we'll take this as an opportunity to just, you know, say thanks to the people who do listen to our podcast every week. I think we'd still do this every week if absolutely no one listened to it because it's quite entertaining for me and John. It's a bit of a therapeutic experience every week to talk about Star Wars, but the fact that people actually do listen to it makes it even better. So uh, thanks to everyone. Yeah, uh, thank you for listening, guys, and happy uh, happy Star Wars podcast day. And uh, what what better episode of the Book of Boba Fett to talk about than this one? Holy shit, this was an episode, wasn't it, John? Yeah, this was this was like... I don't know how to explain it in the best possible way. My analogy I'm thinking off the top of my head is you've gone out for dinner expecting a three-course meal and you've been presented with an absolute monster of a feast uh, or like a buffet or something. And it was just never-ending, the the pleasures and joy that came from this episode. It was like every five minutes there was something something that got me sitting up upright in my chair. Like the uh, the meme of Leonardo DiCaprio where he's like, oh, that was shocking. That sounded, but, uh, actually you know sounded I mean. quite good on my end, to be honest. Oh, okay, good, good. Yeah, it worked. Live in action, it was shocking, but you know, you know what I mean? Uh, yeah, so I was like, oh, what an episode. Oh, yeah, it really was. I think 
if like I had to describe this episode, I would just describe it as Star Wars. It was the most like when Dave Filoni sat down with John Favreau and was like, "Let's write an episode of Star Wars." I think this is this is what they came up with. They were like, Let's "Just tick off all the things that make Star Wars great and just give it to the fans." Um, some beautiful, beautiful stuff. Obviously, we'll get into the whole conversation of the the Boba Fettness of the whole thing. But if we're looking at, at this as a standalone episode of Star Wars television, I think this is probably one of the greatest we've ever had. Oh yeah, hundred percent. This is <clears throat> this has got to be one of the yeah the greatest fifty minutes of Star Wars I've ever seen in my life. Um, it's fantastic. Like, um, obviously, again, as uh, the last like three weeks, I have to wait till I finish work to uh, finish the episode. So I uh, spent most of the day, well, all of the of the day, avoiding Twitter, Snapchat, Instagram. Um, just mostly because I was trying to get on my work. We'll just put that out there. But also so I didn't want to have spoilers. And as soon as I finished the episode, I went obviously straight on Twitter to see what I was missing out. First thing that loaded up was the absolute spoiler fest on Twitter and people praising and, you know, and putting the pictures of from the episode, which they loved and stuff. And I was like, this is this is what it's all about. If it, this many people were getting this excited about um, a Star Wars episode, then obviously it was, it's fantastic. And as, as we both know and the listeners know from watching it is, as I said, one of the greatest 50 minutes of Star Wars I've ever seen. Yeah, no, I was a huge fan of this. Luckily, I was the the, the gods of work Reuters gifted me this week, and I I was able to start at ten o'clock. So I was I was lying on my sofa, my headphones on at ten to eight, and refreshing Disney Plus, and then the episode came up. I was like, oh, here we go. And um, it was it was it was a weird experience watching it because it was it was one of these experiences where like. I couldn't quite get fully invested into the episode because I was just shocked at what I was watching. I was just like, this is so good. I was a bit like, because I think when you come to expect something and it delivers, you know, you get quite emotional. Like I think that there's a lot of episodes I can think of in the past of sort of the Mandalorian and Bad Batch and all that sort of stuff where you just sort of, you're watching it and you're like, oh, this is cool that they've gone to this length to make this great episode. But this was something like I was just watching it. And I was just like, I never would have thought any of this would have happened. <laughs> so I was just like permanently shocked. It wasn't until like the second or third time that I've watched it that I've actually it sunk in and I've sort of really connected on it more emotionally. Um, and that's not a criticism at all. It's the opposite. I was just blown away by the whole thing. And I think we've said it many times before. Me and John are big Dave Filoni fans from what he did with the Clone Wars to uh, Rebels being one of my favourite Star Wars properties and then his involvement in The Mandalorian, some of the episodes of The Mandalorian he's directed. Um, I'm a big fan of Dave Filoni. I know John is as well. And he, this is like he transcended his own greatness in this episode. He like levelled up beyond level 50. He was he was some of the, the greatest Dave Filoni-ness I've ever seen. And uh, he just, you can tell he had an absolute blast making this episode and the world had an absolute blast watching it. So uh, thanks to Dave and obviously John and the whole the whole Lucasfilm team for delivering on some some beautiful, beautiful Star Wars for us all to watch. Yeah, very true. I mean, obviously it's um, <clears throat> the last, I don't know, when did Mandalorian come out? Two years ago? Three years ago? You know, John Favreau's been writing that sort of stuff since since then and, He's done an absolutely fantastic job, and you know we're very blessed to have such a, a, gift, a gifted writer and stuff. And but then obviously it's it's while well, John Favreau writes the majority of the stuff because that's what he's that's what he's best at doing, you know, writing scripts, blah blah blah. You know, it's it, it's it's Dave Filoni's guiding hand, I think, that really lets John Favreau shine as well. You know, 
watching the gallery um, episodes for Mando, you know, there was there was times I can't remember exactly the details off the top of my head where Favreau was saying like, yeah, this idea for Star Wars, and Dave came in and was like, well, that technically wouldn't quite work. Or like, how about this? So, and I mean, yeah, they're very collaborative of, between each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This episode of um, of uh, Boba Fett, sorry, was written by both you know John Favreau and Dave Filoni. So you can tell when those two really come together and and they sit down and want to write a, a script for an episode. That's when it. That's when we get we get blessed with this episode. Um, yeah, everything that was in it. So yeah, Dave Filoni clearly has just sat down and was like, "What on earth can I put in this episode?" And it's like. <laughs> I've seen a few memes on TikTok and it was uh it was um Kylo Ren from The Last Jedi just shouting more and it was like more. that character's in it is like more and that character like more <laughs> and I was like that must be exactly what it's like in the writing room. He's just like, yep, yeah, one more. Oh yeah, go on another one. Oh another one. And it's just, oh, fantastic stuff. You just you know they're you know they're loving it, writing it, and they they know how much the fans appreciate it. So it's fantastic stuff. <laughs> Yeah, me every five minutes in the episode was a surprise to be sure, but a welcome one. (laughs) (laughs) No, I think this was, yeah, this was great. The collaboration between these two artists is just leaving us so much goodness in Star Wars and I just continue to be blown away by everything they do. Um, But I mean, this this just felt like a Star Wars movie. I know it it was obviously only 50 minutes long, but it felt like, and I know obviously it's, you know, there's these questions about how it's working within the series of the Book of Boba Fett. But I think we've sort of reached a point where they've made this mission statement of like, we are treating these series as if they are seven hour movies. And even though Luke Skywalker is the main character in the original trilogy, sometimes we don't see Luke Skywalker for 30 minutes because we spend time with Han and Leia. And I think they've decided that they're going to treat these series like they're Star Wars movies. So, you know, the main character of this series is Boba Fett. And I'm sure by the end of next week's episode, it will be very clear that Boba Fett's character has gone from here to here and he's had a whole character arc and a resolution and everything. But this particular episode, they were like, well, we've spent a lot of time with Boba. Let's let's just see what else is going on in the galaxy. Let's do some galaxy hopping. Let's see what Grogu is up to. Um, Let's see what Cobb Vanth is up to. And I think whilst it structurally feels quite strange for TV, um, and obviously, you know, Boba Fett essentially cameoing in his own show. Um, I just, I'm over it now. I just think it works really well. And as long as next week lands the, the story of Boba Fett, sort of the resolution of Boba Fett's story, as long as it lands next week, I have zero problem with the structure of the series. Cause I think what they're doing is they're just trying to do something a bit, a bit different, a bit sort of almost groundbreaking in the sense of this sort of style of, um, you know, storytelling where, you know, they're treating the the era and the galaxy as, as the, the main character and all the characters within it are just pieces to play within the greater story. <clears throat> if that makes any sense. Um, so yeah, no, I, I was not really that bothered about the, the lack of Bobber in this as long as next week delivers, because I still have a lot of Boba Fett character stuff that I want rounded up next week um but then we reflect back i think those first four episodes of this season was so bobber heavy and so like delivering on incredible character work for bobber that i think we can allow them to have a couple weeks off to just show us some mando greatness some grogu greatness some luke skywalker greatness i mean we're going to get into it um so yeah i uh 
that's all I'm going to say on the whole Book of Boba Fett thing. I personally love this episode. And I think what they're trying to deliver is, you know, they're not, they're trying to turn these Disney Plus series into the equivalent of, you know, trilogies and trilogies of excellent Star Wars films fill in the gap between episode six and episode seven. And I think they're doing it perfectly. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I mean, that's a great point about how, like, you know, Star Wars, not the universe as a whole, is the main character, and all these characters, all the characters are in this show and stuff, and just painting that picture of like the wider universe. And you know, and I, we've said it before, and like this, this way of storytelling for the for the series, I think, it really does feel like you are reading like a book. Uh, obviously, it's called Book of Boba Fett, but you know, there's there's many books you can read where you know you might be reading. Like oh, I've actually forgotten any, any names of books. I've literally got five sitting in front of me. But, I think we had you know, spoken about Thrawn, hadn't we? How it's sort of yeah, like yeah. yeah, Thrawn, for example. You know, he's the main character, but you spend like two or three chapters maybe on a character like Price or something, just where it's like building that character up for then fitting into the later storyline in you know the fast last few chapters and stuff. So yeah, I can I agree. I mean, as long as next week's episode for Book of Boba Fett is um, delivers for all the Boba stuff that we need to see because it is the book of Boba Fett, um, which I have no doubt that it will. I can't, can't imagine a, 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 such a seasoned writer such as John Favreau, you know, really going off on a tangent and then they're not coming back to it. Um, you know, I, I feel I have f- full faith in him coming back full circle and, and these last two episodes, while they have been um, Boba lacking, I can't, there will only be, there'll be a reason for it is what I'm trying to get to, you know, um, John Favreau wouldn't, wouldn't go off on it and not come back to it. So, I'm very much looking forward to seeing what they what they're going to deliver with next week's episode and and how it's all going to tie together. Yeah, definitely. All right, so we've sort of given our overall overall big picture. Should we should we dive into the nitty gritty of this episode? Oh yes, please. So we're of course talking about chapter six from the desert comes a stranger. Bit of a uh, quite a lengthy title, but one that definitely um, sets a mystery at the beginning of you know what's this going to be about. I sort of from the get-go was just like, also the strangers, Cobb Famp. Uh, little, little did, little did we know we were wrong there. And um, obviously premiered on the 2nd of January, written by Dave, Fil- uh, Dave Filoni and John Favreau and directed by Dave Filoni. Um, should we start off right at the beginning of the episode? Uh, we, we, uh, we meet the, uh, the marshal himself, Cobb Vamp from season two of the Mandalorian and the aftermath book trilogy. He's a character that I really liked appearing in Mando season two. So as soon as I saw him and heard Timmy, Timothy Oliphant's voice, I was like, hell yeah, um, I'm already 100% sold on this episode that Cobb Vanth is back. Were you were you surprised to see Cobb Vanth back, excited? I was surprised to see him actually show up again. Because <laughs> obviously he was in the episode last week. Um, but I was surprised to, uh, to to see him again, like opening up the, the, um, the episode. I thought that was... Uh, that was an interesting choice, but obviously he's a fan favorite. He's not. He's not particularly one of my favorite characters. I think he's cool, but uh, there's 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 the characters I put above him. But yeah, it was nice to see him. It was nice to see him as well, like being a bit more. Um, I don't know. I was going to say macho, but I don't know if that's the word I want to use. Without like his without his like armor and stuff, it so shows that he's still he's still got it. You know, it wasn't the armor that made the man. He just that armor was just very handy. So it's nice to see that he's still. He's still uh, a badass cowboy in the old wild west of uh, Tatooine without the armor and stuff, laying down the law on the pike drug dealers. Uh, so yeah, it was it was cool to see him. A nice little nice little uh, intro at the beginning to uh, set set us up for where his character is. It was nice. 
Yeah. No, I think it was, it was a really good addition. I think completely makes sense to have him as a character because he is the character who formerly wore Boba Fett's armor before Boba Fett um, reclaimed it. Um, and also, you know, if we're the, the wider story that's being told in this series about Boba Fett dealing with the Pike Syndicate is very much being centered around Mos Espa. And I think this, this episode is trying to say that, you know, it's not just Mos Espa, it's, you know, out in the desert in Mos Pelgo, um, that, that, you know, innocent people are being damaged by the, the, the spice running of the pikes. And I think, um, it builds the world really well. It, it suggests that this is a Tatooine wide problem that the, the whole people of Tatooine are going to have to rise up to, to fight off these, these pikes. I think it progresses the book of Boba Fett storyline really well, just by having Cobb Vamp in the beginning. And um, I think it was just a badass little intro, just him sort of being like, think it through and, you know, quick draw in on the pikes, killing three of them. And then sort of the last one, um, letting him live and telling him to go and warn his his syndicate to stay away from, from the marshal because he'll deal with them again. And then seeing how much of an honourable man he is because he gets uh, enough spice to retire. And he just, he, as soon as he realises it's spice, he just kicks it into the wind and, yeah, he's not having any of that that drug nonsense, not not in his territories. So I thought it was a great return of Cobb Vamp. This is always a character that just excites me that he even exists in live action because um, as someone who, you know, reads the books and really appreciates the intricate canon of Star Wars, just seeing a really, really minor book character being brought into live action and them actually sort of they've made some very very minor changes but really the broad strokes of the the, the story of Cobb Vanth lines up really well and just seeing them respect that canon and um treat the audience with like the the book reading audience with respect just really excites me so I mean we'll get on later on into the whole Mos Pelgo Freetown thing which shows that they respect the audience even more um so yeah big up big up the, the boy Cobb Vamp everyone's favorite cowboy has returned and as soon as I saw him I was like okay this is cool I want you know I wonder why they're bringing him back little did I think that the reason they would bring him back would would be the the, the Cad Bane of the whole thing but oh, 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 we will we will surely get into that soon but just a, a nice intro to the episode and a, a way to get start this episode on the right foot I think yeah definitely I mean it's one of those things as well where it's like they've dropped him into this episode um obviously to excite the fans and stuff. But again, it's one of those things that feels completely natural to put them in. Cause as you say, it definitely explains or shows the wider problem of the pikes on Tatooine and the spice running and stuff. It's not just the most isolated problem. As you, as you said, um, it stretches across, across Tatooine, um, which is, yeah, it helps build the world. And then obviously it's one of those things where like, we know that Boba wants to hire muscle for like, um, to fight the pike. So you obviously think, oh, Cobb Bound would be a perfect, a perfect uh, candidate for that, being, you know, a notorious badass marshal in the uh, in the area of most most um Freetown and stuff. So that um it ma- it makes sense. It's just one of those again, it's where John Favreau and Dave Filoni are perfectly strong in a character that excites the fans and also makes it feel like really really um I don't know, like uh what's the word I'm looking for? Not like cheap but like legit to the story. Yeah. I don't yeah. know what I'm trying to say, but it's just, yeah, as you said earlier, it's natural. It, it fits in mm. with the story and it's, it's, um, it's worth it. It's worthwhile. It's not just like his, a, his a fun little 
cameo for no reason. It thematically and storyline wise, it fits. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. So they've done a good job with that as well. Yeah, um, and then you know we we hit we hit the, the sort of main bother titles again, which you've got a little bit of a remix this week, like it did last week, but this time it's with the sort of the martial music um, that we heard. Uh, back in season two of the Mandalorian, I was like, right, okay, so this is the this is the Cobb Vamp joins Boba Fett's team episode. I'm excited, but then no, I was completely wrong. Within seconds, we're back. We're back with Mando, and he's flying to a planet. And at this point, I was like, holy shit! Like, we're actually going to see Luke Skywalker in this episode. Um, still couldn't believe it. And then we land, and then we see R two D two, and I'm like, oh my god, that's R two D two. We're going to see Luke Skywalker. Um, so yeah, how do you how do you feel about this? We we go to this planet. Um, there's a load of ant droids building uh, some form of Jedi temple, and uh, R two's there, and R two basically just gets them to build a little bench and makes Mando sit on it, and uh, he's got to wait. But then within minutes, we are we are looking at Grogu and Luke Skywalker meditating on a hill. I mean, there's a, there's a lot going on at the, in, the, in this beginning part of the episode. How was your how are you feeling about all of this? What what was your reaction? Oh, I mean. The anticipation, like the intensity was building. But as, as you know, you walk through the, obviously we get R2, which is fantastic. And then you lead, lead them to a clearing. You're like, oh my God, we're going to see Luke here. And it's like, oh no, actually, Manda's got to sit and wait. And it's like, oh, we're going to see Luke and we're not going to see Luke. And then, yeah, it cuts to, cuts to Luke and uh, Grogu meditating on on that, that hill. And it was just like, I was like, wow, this is such a, like literally we're in like 10 minutes of the episode or like the first like 10, 15 minutes of the episode. It's like, Jesus, we've, we've been gifted such a, such a lovely uh, first few scenes. And um, I mean, seeing Luke Skywalker again was just, oh, it was just fantastic. And I mean, the, we've spoken about it before, but like this, the CGI and like the deep faking of, of Luke Skywalker, I, I was I legit sat here and I was like, oh my God, that's not Mark Hamill. I was like, oh no, Mark Hamill's like 65. And I was like, I was like, that's not, that's just a really good deep fake. Like it looked just like him. It was yeah, unbelievable. They perfected it, haven't they? Yeah. Like oh, I, I'd love to see what it's like next year or something. Um, Cause there was a, there was a few um, shots where like his, I don't know, like his face was like a bit, um, where it was a bit more expression or like there was like a camera angle or something. You could tell that obviously it wasn't, it was a deep fake and stuff, but yeah, yeah. It didn't take, it didn't take away from anything. Um, and yeah. like, cause come on absolute leaps and bounds since last year. Like it's a hundred times better. And it genuinely it caught me by surprise of just how much it just looked like a young Mark Hamill. It was mm. magical. Yeah. Yeah. There were definitely a few moments where he was speaking where you could just see the little glimpses of the fact that it wasn't quite right. But I mean, when you compare, I mean, I was impressed by, the season two finale of Mando, but you knew that they still had work to do. Um, and I think they've, yeah, as you said, they've come on leaps and bounds. This is near, near perfect. There's still a few flaws. I'm sure within a couple of years, they'll have even doubt. We'll never even notice again. Um, but just the fact that they can really honor Mark Hamill, his performance, his Luke, and give us something so authentically Luke Skywalker, I think is, is, so exciting. And and the fact that they've even like taken him from Return of the Jedi and you can see that they've even like aged him up a little bit. So he feels that little bit older, that little bit wiser than we saw him in Return of the Jedi because he is five, actually five years older. So five years after Return of the Jedi. I think the whole thing is so interesting and I will go off on my Luke Skywalker uh, talk later on because I'm personally of the opinion that this 
this Luke Skywalker lines up 100% flawlessly with the last Jedi Luke Skywalker. I will get into it at some point. If you're a last Jedi hater, you might just want to switch off the podcast at that bit. I'll warn you when I'm about to start that, that conversation. Um, but no, I was just so thrilled to see Luke again. You know, he's, as with many people, one of my favorite characters in Star Wars. So just seeing him there, seeing him look brilliant and seeing him training with little Grogu, it was, I mean, we saw Grogu again. I mean, it's been like a whole year since we've seen Grogu and just seeing him back. He's such a, he's literally the face of Star Wars nowadays. He's one of the, one of the greatest and most iconic characters that Star Wars has ever created. And just because of the the connection that he has with the audience and then how cute he is and how endearing his character is. So just seeing him back, you know, trying to force lift a, uh, a frog and <laughs> eat it. And then Luke's like Grogu and then uses his full master Luke powers to lift up all the frogs from the water. I mean, when you, when I describe it like that, that, it sounds ridiculous, but just the way that they just write it and they shoot it and the music and everything, it's just such powerful storytelling of, you know, Brogu seeing this great master in front of him and seeing the the power that he could have if he gave himself over to the training and the force. And oh, it's just so good. So, so exciting just to see it all unfold on screen. Yeah. That was uh, <laughs> some reason that scene of um, Grogu trying to pick the frog um, or pick up the frog to eat. I was like, that is, that is cruel. I was like, <laughs> I was like, this poor frog's just like floating along, just like, his inevitable doom is just in front of him and he can do nothing about it. He's just like floating along being like, I'm going to get eaten here. And the poor fellow. It reminded me of um, like the, the Harry Potter scene where like that poor like bug's been like flipped around the room. I was like, if it's banned in Harry Potter, but it's fine in Star Wars. Um, yeah, I was like, and then when Luke picked him all out the, uh, all out the wars for I was like, there's no way Luke's encouraging this sort of a uh, savage torture of his animals. <laughs> Violence against frogs. <laughs> Yeah, I was like, he's gonna feed them. He's gonna feed Grogu the frogs one by one. I was, like, I was taking it too far. Luke's turn to the dark side. It's just <laughs> anger, anger and hatred against the frogs. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's nice to see Luke like um, trying to find something that inspires Grogu to like think about the Force more deeply and stuff. Because obviously for Luke, it was it was um, Yoda picking up his his X wing out of the swamp. So. For, for Grogu, it seems to be the the frogs is, is his X wing, but it's uh, each to their own. So, but it's nice that Luke's like finding his own ways of doing doing stuff, but still very still being very similar to obviously the callbacks from like Empire Strikes Back and stuff like that. Mm. Which I'm sure to about oh later. god, yeah. When oh, we will get onto it right now. When he mentioned Master Yoda and uh, the little Yoda's theme just like drifted in. They, they did it before in season two of Mandalorian, but. Oh, when he was just talking about Yoda and he was he was very small but with a very big heart and strong with a force and size matters not and all that stuff. I was like, oh come on. Luke has just clearly learned so much from Yoda. And even with the limited time they spent together, you can see how much Yoda's teachings has formed the Jedi that Luke is now and seeing him pass that on to little Grogu, a literal little Yoda. Oh, it's just poetry. Yeah. I mean I was thinking that sometimes in the episode, like Luke was talking about um, Yoda to Grogu, obviously like a stranger. And it's like, you know, Grogu will definitely know who Yoda is. Like whether he's like, whether he can work out that they're the same person that he's talking about. But like Grogu definitely has met Yoda if he lived in like the Jedi Temple. Yeah, 100%. Uh, as a youngling. So, so Grogu was sitting there being like, bitch, I, I knew this man firsthand. 
Yeah, you spent like two weeks with him. I literally lived with him for like 30 years. Shut up, Luke. <laughs> <laughs> He's going on about his Yoda guy. Like, has he actually met him? So, oh, you know Yoda. I know Yoda. That's a little green guy, yeah? <laughs> yeah, he was about my height. <laughs> <laughs> Spoken those stupid riddles all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh it was so good when he said that like he spoke in riddles I said oh he did didn't he we love Yoda yeah there were so many just like great lines that Luke delivered and it's like oh you can clearly see he's got that from Yoda like when um, he was trying to get Grogu to like jump and he was like you're trying too hard he was like don't try do and you're like oh a, a Yoda staple that one do or do not there is no try like, exactly he's just taking all that Yoda teaching on boards <laughs> so good yeah it's clearly stuck with him the, the annoying paraphrasing and stuff that Yoda comes out it was clearly stuck with him for, for, for years yeah and and then because it's a Dave Filoni thing it wouldn't be a Dave Filoni thing without forcing us to relive all of 66 again um, John as a, as the resident um, Clone Wars era mega fan of the podcast I mean I love it as well but John, John loves it on a, on a deeper level um, how did you feel seeing the Fiverr first again Order 66 the, the Jedi Temple pain, torture, suffering how did you feel about it? I mean it was, it was one of the most emotional parts of the, the episode for me obviously because as you say like big Clone Wars fan the clones oh, all the clones have a deep deep special place in my heart <clears throat> so it was um, soul destroying seeing them the you know the brutality of them in action again against the uh, against the Jedi's defending Grogu, um, just uh, yeah, it just makes it makes you sad for them again. Although I did see, I think it was on TikTok, Instagram, one of the two. Uh, someone took like a screenshot from that scene and like one of the the, the first clone like right at the front had I think it might have been the way the screenshot was done, but it looked like um he had like uh Ang's like the head tattoo like on his helmet, which is like I can't remember what the guy's actual name is, but I think he's like Commander Apo. I could be wrong, but it's basically just like obviously Dave Filoni's way of being like, oh, like I did Avatar Last Airbender, now I'm doing Star Wars. Like this is a clone with like the same head markings on his helmet that Ang had, and uh, apparently that was the first clone we saw, um, like leading the charge against against Grogu and those Jedi's. So if it is, I have to go back and watch Ooh, and double check. I like that. Um, it's a nice little Easter. Egg. If it is, that is, that is a yeah. great touch from Dave Filoni. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was it was nice to see the Fire First again. Yeah, but obviously in tragic circumstances and um, I'm like 99% sure but it was a fleeting moment that obviously they got the, the like two lines of dialogue the clones had to each other was voiced by like Tamara Morrison um, I'm like 99% yeah. sure yeah after a fantastic touch yeah after you mentioned it to me when I rewatched the episode I was listening out for it 100% sounds like Tamara Morrison absolutely I mm. think they just got him in the booth and they were like be a clone and he was just like oh, I've got it I'm Tamara Morrison I can nail this <laughs> Yeah, because I mean, they could have just like plucked any random bit of dialogue from like the Clone Wars and sort of chucked it in there to save time. But it was nice that they put yeah to Mary Morrison in a booth and was like, "Give me, give me three lines <laughs> of dialogue for something." So that was a uh, that was that was cool, and it was yeah a short scene, but one that I'm sure I've seen like on Twitter and stuff like has resonated very much with Star Wars fans. Like, it's always it's always emotional and, and stuff when we see a bit more of Water 66. So it was a, it was a nice touch from Dave Filoni to put that in there. Mm. And I think really impactful as well, because like Luke is asking Grogu about his home. Like, do you remember home? And for a minute I was just like, Oh my God, are we actually going to see Yoda's planet? Are we going to see like hundreds of Yodas running about? And then I was like, nah, there's no chance we're actually going to see that. But the mystery of Yoda is what makes him exciting. 
And I was like, then what are we going to see? And then seeing Order 66 was obviously really traumatic, as you were saying it. But the fact that when he asked Yoda, like what his memories of home was, all Yoda wrote, uh, uh, Grogu remembers his trauma. Like that's sad. Like poor Grogu is, I know he's like 50 years old, but he's a baby and he's carrying that much trauma around with him. Like no wonder he's, he's struggling, struggles with attachment. No wonder he's struggling with his, you know, being a Jedi and connecting to the force again. And I think it just fleshes out Grogu's character so much because he's had to go through something that traumatic at such a young age. Um, and I think it's, um, just really fleshes out and adds to his character so much in such a brutal and sad way. Yeah, 100%. I mean, we see in the other stars multimedia how much it affects, you know, like fully grown Jedi and like stuff like that. Obviously, you know, Obi-Wan, Yoda, um, Kanan, um, the guy from Fallen Order, I can't remember his name, Cal. Um, you know, it affects all these Jedi like very deeply on like an emotional level. So you can only imagine how much, you know, yeah, how much <clears throat> trauma and stuff that's going to be for Grogu as he is only only a baby. Um, so, yeah, so it'd be, I hope that, yeah, I'm sure it'll be in like Mando season three or something, but I hope they like um, explore that like trauma and like his relationship with the Force. I think that'd be really interesting. So I'm mm. sure they, they will explore that as they've, as they've given us this little tidbit for it. Yeah, and I think Dave Filoni is definitely saying you want to know who rescued Grogu and you're not getting that answer just yet. You're going to have to be a bit more patient because <laughs> for a minute I was just like, wait, are we going to find out who it was? You rescued Grogu, got him out of the Jedi temple and we still don't know. And I think that's definitely intentional. It's a story that I'm sure that John and Dave are waiting to tell, but there's probably a reason why they're saving it for a certain time. And, um, I can't wait to find out. I have so many theories. I mean, I've been seeing all sorts of theories about the marking on the wall being to do a Barris Offy, and I've a lot of people talk, um, theorize Quinlan Voss and so many different. You know, there's also the mad, oh, it's the, the mad Mace Windy survived and rescued Grogu theories. And I mean, I love all the theories. So it'll be interesting to see that story play out. And I definitely think we're going to see it play out. But they're giving us a little tease and they're asking us to be patient. And uh, I, I love that. Yeah, 100%. I think I think it's just classic uh, Filoni and, and Favreau to give us give us little teases like this, and then just uh, it definitely pays off. I don't think they've ever let us down for stuff, you know. Yeah, yeah it's yeah, they're brilliant at it. Yeah, because I think a lot of the time people question like, oh, why is this this? Like, is this a plot hole? And then John Favreau and Dave Filoni always answer the question. Eventually, you know, it took us. Um, a couple of years to figure out how Fennec and Boba got together, but we found out in this season, you know, the whole rescuing Fennec Shand and all that. So these, these things that people shout, Oh yeah, but what actually happened here? Like, why are they not telling the story? They tell the story eventually. And I think we're going to get into another case of that later on in the episode with Luke and Ahsoka of people saying, why didn't we get the initial conversation between Luke and Ahsoka? I'm like patient we're definitely going to get that conversation. They're definitely going to use it in a flashback in the Ahsoka show. Just wait for it. Um, so I think John Favreau and Dave Filoni know exactly what they're doing. And I think they like to drop in little teasers along the way and they always pay off everything that they do. Um, and we just got to, we just got to wait for it. Yeah, very true. I mean, that's a, as you, that's a great way to segue, as you mentioned that character, but oh, seeing Ahsoka again, Fantastic! I didn't. I, I didn't expect uh, yeah. to see her in this episode. We should. We should have like, expected maybe. it <laughs> because it's Dave Filoni. Yeah. We should have expected him to be like, "Ahsoka's my girl. I'm getting her in." But I did not expect it at all. No, I was like, oh, I was like, kind of 
the half and his man like Luke Skywalker. I was like, yeah, we might get Luke again, but Ahsoka, I was not expecting that whatsoever. And um, yeah, I mean, what an absolute privilege that was. As Rosario Dawson is oh, fantastic as a as Ahsoka, and she's so. It's just nice to see that she's so much. Um, you know, she's still as like wise and all like Jedi knowledge, powerful um, stuff. You know, in terms of where she is in her life, and you know given guiding Mando to make the right decision in regards to Grogu, I think is, was perfect coming from, perfect coming from Ahsoka, you know, she was completely right in the fact that I understand you want to go see Grogu, but like, do you want to go see Grogu for you or is it for him? And it's like, technically it is just for Mando because he wants to see him because he misses him. And she is right, you know, with that attachment to the Jedi and stuff, you know, if you go see him, Grogu won't want you to go um, and stuff like that. And then obviously just had some fantastic little bits of dialogue linking like her and um, Luke, which was fantastic. Obviously her line being like, I'm a f- old friend of the family is like bloody hell. The oh, depth, the feels. depth the feels. to that line oh. that Mando just has like no idea what she's going on about. And it's like, if you only knew my guy, if you only knew. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like one of those moments where you need like an entire, like two hour montage to like of what's going on in Ahsoka's head. And Mando's just sitting there like, Oh, cool. So she's friends. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then obviously um, her line later to Luke, where she's like, you've got so much of your father in you. Awesome. Like, and I was just like, Jesus, webbed. Oh, um, hitting us in the feels. The like half a second silence after that line, I was like, or like as she left, I was like, is she going to call him like Sky Guy or something? If she does, I'm going to fucking cry. <laughs> that would have been too much. Oh, oh God. Yeah. No, I was, I was so happy to see Ahsoka back. And <clears throat> I just love the way that it was genuinely like a surprise because he was like lying there and then he like pulled out his gun and then Ahsoka was just there. And I was like, oh shit, it's Ahsoka. Like, she's here. Um, and yeah, it was so, so great. And I think, like, I know some people aren't happy about Rosario Dawson and they'd rather Ashley X. Like, I understand. I think Rosario Dawson has done a phenomenal job of actually studying the character learning like really i like she there are moments in this episode where the way that she moves physically is exactly how ahsoka moves in the clone wars like the bit when she's talking to din and she has her hand on her hip it's just like perfect ahsoka from the clone wars when she says like or is he a padawan now and she like flicks her little hand in front of her face just like ahsoka always does in the clone wars and like even the way that she speaks like the intonation and on like sentences is exactly like ashley Eckstein's performance so rosario dawson has like studied the hell out of ahsoka and it shows because it is such a perfect ahsoka performance and for me i just think that She's absolutely killing it. I think that the look is great. To me, her leku feels slightly longer in this episode than they were in this chapter in season two. So I think that maybe they've taken it on board that people wanted slightly longer. Um, is it Mon- Montrals, not leku? Leku are the Twi'lek ones. Anyway, they felt slightly longer as well. But no, oh, so good to see Ahsoka. And this was definitely like, obviously she th- she fit really thematically into the episode because Mando needed someone to deliver that conversation of like, should you actually go see Grogu? And it made sense that that was Ahsoka. Um, but also this was such a nice little, um, you know, Luke saying, will I see you again? She's like, perhaps. And it's like, perhaps in the Ahsoka Disney plus series coming in 2023, like it was a, a little sort of like backdoor pilot for that series, which is going to be coming out soon, which, oh my God, is one of the most anticipated shows on my list because there's going to be a lot going on in that. So Really great to see Ahsoka back. And I think 
her conversation with Din about Grogu was one of the most emotionally powerful parts of the episode for me. Like, I think the the finale of season two of The Mandalorian, I was worried that, that this episode might undercut it by being like, oh, like we've a year later and Mando's already back with Grogu. Because that's a year in our time and the timeline even shorter. But I love the fact that that sacrifice that Mando made of giving Yoda Bear Grogu up um, has actually paid off because in this moment he realised he can't see him. Like the, the line when he says, I came so far, he's just right there. It was like so powerful to me of like, he's learning that he has to let go. And it's like that overprotective parent thing of like, you know, I have to, I just have to let him live his life. And, you know, Ahsoka, you brought up the line she said of like, is this for you or for him? I just think such a powerful line and oh, so good. And yeah, the way that Ahsoka talked about being a friend of the family and um, the way that she like talk, she talks about Luke, she calls him Master Luke, even though like she's the wiser and the older of the two. And he asks her like, you know, what should I do? And she's like, you know, trust your instincts. So he clearly has that like respect for her. So they've clearly you know, when, when they've met for the first time, and I'm sure we're going to see the scene when they met for, meet for the first time and actually have the conversation about Anakin, it's going to come. There's no way that Dave Filoni's not going to do it. But I just think if he put it in this show, it would have detracted from the overall story far too much. They need to save that for the Ahsoka show. So everyone needs to be patient on that. But just the way they speak to each other with such mutual respect and like the way she looks at Luke and just clearly sees Anakin in him is just so poetic and beautiful. And I think, yeah, I mean, like we know for a fact that, you know, Luke is taking on the legacy of Anakin, you know, as opposed to the the horror of who he became. He's trying to, he's trying to live on that legacy of the great Jedi that Anakin was before he fell. And Ahsoka being able to see that, is just so beautiful. So yeah, her inclusion in the episode, it was nice and small and just in, used in the right place to further Mando's journey, further Grogu's journey, and then a little bit of furthering her own journey as well. So yeah, it was so cool and just, oh, I love Ahsoka. Who doesn't love Ahsoka? Yeah, tell me about it. I'm very much looking forward to seeing uh, seeing their first interaction, as you say, like no way Dave Filoni wouldn't, wouldn't um wouldn't go for that and I, I'm just hoping it's uh, at some point in their first inter- inter- introduction uh, you have Luke being like you fought in the Clone Wars uh, the, you know that classic line he gave to everyone <laughs> back in A New Hope you knew my father <laughs> uh, that'd be great um, so yeah I'm, I'm sure they'll do it in Ahsoka or something something later on the line uh, but yeah I can credit you with everything you said it was she is fan- I think she's fantastic as Ahsoka and um, I think she did a fantastic job of bridging bridging like the characters together of like Luke and Grogu and everyone and like putting everyone on the right path for what's best for them. I completely agree. I think if Luke had had that conversation with Mando, I don't think um, it would have come across as like as genuine of like a, a message for Mando um, as opposed to just like Luke. Obviously it would be a genuine message coming from Luke, but I don't think Mando would have received it in the same way if it'd come from uh, Luke instead of Ahsoka, obviously because of their, uh, their history with um, Mando and Ahsoka. So it was, yeah, it was, it was a pleasure to see her and, it was a, and uh, I look forward to, hopefully, um, well, I'm looking forward to uh, the Ahsoka show and I wonder if she'll pop up again in this series. I doubt it, but it'd be nice if she did. Yeah, I think we've probably seen the last of her for a while. Um, but I mean, 
I, I reckon she'll pop up in Mando season three because I think Dave and John have really made a mission statement here with like all these shows are going to constantly cross over and we just have to be here for it. Um, so I think she'll probably appear in Mando season three, which will be in like, I don't know, in like a year's time. And then as the Ahsoka show, I think they're, they were talking about like a year and a half, but oh, we've got a lot of Ahsoka coming up in the future. And I just love that we're building out this like universe of like post return of the Jedi, you know, Luke, sort of Luke was like the only hope left in the galaxy and we're building out this world where actually, you know, Luke isn't the only hope. We we now we now know that Ahsoka is still about and even though she tried to sort of distance herself from the Jedi, she's still willing to sort of come in and I imagine advise Luke a little bit on setting up this Jedi school. And then obviously we know that Ezra's still out there. We you know we know that there's non-Jedi like Mando who's got his own story sort of about, you know, so I think that we've got this really interesting post-Return of the Jedi storyline being set up here where, you know, the, the, the Jedi Order is starting to rebuild. We know and, then, and eventually what happens to it, but it's starting to rebuild. And I think it's, it's setting up a very exciting precedent for like what the what the story is that, that John and Dave are uh, setting up. So um, I'm very excited. Um, before I get on to the whole Luke Skywalker thing, I do have to talk about <laughs> Grogu jumping. Come on. I mean, <laughs> this was probably one of one of my favorite moments in the entirety of Star Wars ever. I am an unapologetic fan of the Yoda versus Count Dooku fight and Attack of the Clones. Yoda leaping about the, the cave in Geonosis is still one of my favorite things in Star Wars. I think it's ridiculous. I think it's wacky. I think it's weird, but it's just incredible. And people always say, why do I love Attack of the Clones so much? that Yoda versus Count Dooku fight is the main reason. I absolutely love it. So seeing Grogu, one of the cutest characters in Star Wars, flipping around little rocks, escaping a training remote droid like Yoda. Oh, it was just so good. It was something that just brought me so much joy. And I think obviously it's really relevant to the story of like, you know, Grogu, because Luke makes a line of like, I don't feel like I'm training him. I feel like I'm just sort of unlocking his old memories. Like this idea of like Grogu reconnecting to the force so is really important to the story, but just for just being weird, funny, incredibly cute Star Wars, it made me so happy to see. <laughs> yeah, it was really good. Like it was cute when he, like, he was failing to do his little jump. And then it was, it was like so cool later on seeing him like leaping about like a, you know, like, like you know, doing the Attack of the Clones and stuff. <clears throat> um, yeah, uh, it's really interesting. I feel like you know the only times we've seen Grogu use the Force and like Mando and stuff was like when it was like kind of like a last resort to like help save Mando's life, something like that. Just off the top of my head, and I can't think if there's any reasons he just kind of used it for fun. Yeah, I think uh, there were a couple cheeky moments like with the macaroons. Do you remember in the episode? But oh yeah, mostly it was very instinctual instead of like he knew what he was doing. Yeah, yeah. So it's nice to think that yeah Luke is helping um Grogu like just find like just like his overall reconnection to the force because I mean um I, I can't remember where I was said I think it was probably like Dave I think it was Dave Blurney, like an interview or something said that you know or something you, you don't like training in the force isn't like you know you you go to like a dojo or whatever and like you, you practice over and over again it's one of those things that you kind of have to just sit you like you meditate on it and like you just feel your connection to the force and as you do that like you just you know you learn and you become more powerful as a jedi it's not something you can just like 
keep practicing over and over again. Like you can only jump so many times before, um, you know, you'll get your force jump or like in the higher public, it's not so much like um, we had some moments where characters were like just jumping off cliffs to see if they could catch themselves with the force, you know, and it's only once they've like realized their proper connection to the force and like how their connection works within the world, then they actually finally managed to achieve that feat sort of thing. So it's not, so it's, it's nice to see that Grogu is exactly um, do or do not. There is no try. Yeah, so it's nice that Grogu's like finding that connection again, and then only by finding that connection and growing himself in the force will he become more powerful. Like he can try jumping up and down as many times as he wants, but it's only once he unlocks that connection to the force and that grows that that he'll he'll really become a, a nice powerful Jedi. So it's nice that we get what I was seeing that slowly getting there. So yeah, shout mm. out Grogu for leaping about like a little yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was so cool, and I love the moment when like he obviously the backpack like. Grogu being in the backpack was brilliant because Empire Strikes Back. But the moment when Luke took him on the little free running course and then ran up that big bamboo shoot and he was like looking over the like gorgeous planet and the the force, the binary sunset force theme was playing and he was talking about like, you know, Grogu being able to find balance in the force. And I was just like, oh, John Favreau, Dave Filoni, they just understand Star Wars so much. Like they know how to write about the force and oh, it's just so... It's because I think because of like, and this is not a criticism on legends because a lot of legends was written before George Lucas defined really his understanding in the force. And a lot of legends was based around sort of like video game power levels and stuff like that within the force. It's not a criticism of it. It's just, it has evolved as George Lucas made more Star Wars films and talked about the force more, but you know, as you said, it's not about just doing the same thing over and over again and getting better at it. It's about finding balance. It's about, you know, finding the the flow and the force. And I think that, you know, one thing that I think Disney has done incredibly well is I think that they've understood what George Lucas really meant by the force and that and they've the, the whole idea of balance, I think, is something that's been really prominent in Disney Star Wars. And I think it's one of the most important things for me personally within the force is like is about balance in the force. And I think him teaching Grogu about finding that balance and then literally making him balance on a stick, I think is just so um, beautiful and symbolic of like this idea that George Lucas had all these years ago. So just, uh, yeah, I, I think it is so good how involved Dave Filoni is because he really did learn from George. And I think I'm personally one of these people that I think it was right that George gave up Star Wars and let, a new generation of storytellers continue his legacy. And I think having Dave Filoni as the guiding hand in it as someone who learned personally from George means that while Star Wars will always continue to be new and fresh and new creative voices will get to put their spin on it, he can help keep that core of Lucas's message in it. And I think this episode was, it was very, very prevalent in it. Yeah, hundred percent. It's it's nice that they, um, it's just nice that they, I completely agree. Like that's how I view the force and stuff like that. Uh, it's nice that Dave Filoni and John Favreau, whenever they write about it, is is very like sticking to that, and that's how it works, and you know stuff like that. So it's it's nice that yeah, we don't have like ridiculously stupid like the power level stuff and like video games and things, which is um, fun for what it is. But I don't want it in like my TV shows and stuff because I think that that's not how the take, force take works. It out of it. <laughs> yeah i think just, you just take you take you out of it wouldn't it if you have like a character that's like as mental as like a star killer or something just suddenly showing up in like the boba fett you'd be like what is happening um yeah no i yeah i i really liked it i think i let me just go on my like two minute 
talk about the last Jedi and then we can go back to the, the, the Cobb vamp and the cab Banes and all the great stuff that we still want to talk about. But I just have to talk about this because the, the end of the episode leaves Grogu with a choice of like picking the Mandalorian armor and going back to Mando and Yoda's lightsaber and becoming a Jedi. And basically Luke essentially saying like, you know, attachment is forbidden is essentially what Luke is saying. I don't think he's going quite as far to say that, but he's basically saying like, you can choose attachment or you can choose, you know, giving everything up and becoming a Jedi. And I think, you know, we know that to be a Jedi is to be selfless is to, is to sort of give up your possessions and to take that sort of life where you follow the force instead of being sort of dictated by your attachments. And I think like, we know that in, in the prequels, they took that idea too far and it became way too dogmatic. And that was one of the reasons why the Jedi started to crumble and started to fail. And I personally really love the High Republic because in that, they have a bit more of an open view of the Force where like there's a difference between, you know, a Jedi should be compassionate, a Jedi should love everyone. But when but when a Jedi's takes is there's a difference between you know this is my friend and you know i will you know i can't live without this person you know that's attachment versus compassion and i think that's a major theme of you know the high republic the prequels the sequels and i think it's a really important thread of jedi-ness and i think luke at this current point in time in this story is we know for a fact that after return of the jedi he went off and he found a load of artifacts and started to study up on the history of the Jedi and the Jedi Order. And he obviously doesn't know that the, one of the reasons the Jedi Order started to fail was because they became too dogmatic and they didn't create an environment where Anakin felt that he was safe to talk about how he was feeling with Padme. And, you know, of, so I think it was very easy for Luke to quickly start to stumble into some of the old issues of the Jedi Order. And in The Last Jedi, we know that one of the reasons that the order failed was that Luke started to slip into some of the old mistakes of the Jedi and he started to become too self-absorbed in his own legend and in his own hubris of, of the Jedi and himself as a whole. And that was one of which led to the, you know, the corruption of Kylo Ren with Ben Solo and the eventual fall of the Jedi order and Luke's, um, seclusion on the island so whether you like last jedi or not that is a story and i i think that personally this decision that luke gives grogu whilst i can see it from luke's perspective of being like grogu needs to decide i think it's the right decision it's it's the right thing to give grogu of like you need to pick whether you want to be a jedi or you want to be a mandalorian i think it shows that the very small beginnings of the Luke that he is going to turn into of getting a little bit too caught up in the old failings of the Jedi and the hubris of the Jedi and not realizing until it's too late that he actually needed to do things differently. And whilst Luke as a character has been very different to the Jedi of old, I think he, he felt he went from being this person who, you know, was, his attachments is, was one of his strengths. I think over time we see that he tried to revert back to the way the Jedi Order was, and that was why it failed again. And I think this episode shows us perfectly that this Luke post Return of the Jedi, whilst he is still the perfect 
idyllic Jedi that everyone should look to be. He still has a little bit inside him, which is going to start to ripple into the the Luke who fails. And I just think that John Favreau, you know, all these people who say John Favreau and Dave Filoni are going to decanonize the sequels. No, they're not. They're literally telling the story of how Luke they're, they're they're supporting Ryan Johnson's story of how how Luke became the way he is in in the sequels, and I personally love the Last Jedi. I know a lot of people don't, and that's absolutely fine. But that's all I'll say on it is the fact that I think this is a perfect companion to the Last Jedi story in the sense of we're starting to see a little bit of Luke getting caught up in this very dogmatic approach to dealing with attachment. Of um, he's basically making Grogu pick between attachment and no attachment. And is this, is there a better way that Luke could have done this possibly? Um, but that very binary decision that he's setting him is you can see how that might over 25 years after this start to cause some issues when he's creating this new order of Jedi. And you can see why when Luke turns around in the last Jedi and says, um, that the, the history of the Jedi is failure he is one of those Jedi who's contributed to the history of the Jedi being failure. And I think that whilst this is a, uh, seems like the right thing to be offering Grogu, I also think it's a bit too absolute to be offering Grogu. So that's just my two cents on the whole thing. I think this fits in with the last Jedi storyline very well. And uh, I was very, very impressed with the route that they're taking with it. So I'm not going to talk about The Last Jedi anymore because I can imagine at least three of my friends have probably muted the podcast because I'm even meant dead to mention the words. <laughs> uh, I mean, you, you made a good argument. Uh, I can definitely see how um, you know Luke's, Luke's choice for um, Ultimate is, is basically an Ultimatum. Ultimatum to Grogu is a bit... Um, it's, it's, it's treading on, uh, on thin ice, I think, with... Uh, dangerous territory you know it's this is something that maybe could have waited for a bit further in grogu's development as a jedi maybe something like that or not sure um i'm just gonna raise the question and see what you think on this yoda's lightsaber is apparently destroyed in vader issue one yeah in 2017 yeah i mean i'm only gonna assume that yoda being yoda is like well i'll make a new one because he's Yoda, like one of the greatest Jedi's to ever live. It's not difficult for him to make a new lightsaber. Or do you think Dave Filoni's just been like, ah, forget it? I my, I have three theories. One, the one you just said, if Yoda was bored of Dagobah and he was like, I'm just going to quickly make a new lightsaber. Two, Yoda had multiple lightsabers um, because he's Yoda and he just had a little box in his room full of loads of different lightsabers because he's a badass. Or three, Mazamida thought he was destroying yoda's lightsaber but really he was just destroying some other little green lightsaber maybe it was yaddle's maybe it was grogu's little lightsaber that's my theory but i think um matt martin who's one of the story group guys said on twitter a while ago i don't even think it was related to this that the assumption is that yoda probably had more than one lightsaber so that would probably be my guess of like the one that was destroyed in the darth vader comics was one of yoda's lightsabers but not his only one yeah i mean I'm sure I've read somewhere that like, um, well, that might have been like Star Wars series YouTube actually, that um, Jedi just go through like lightsabers. They'll make like a few in their lifetime. Because I mean, like Obi Wan had at least two. And I don't. Um, does this get destroyed? His first one? But yeah, he loses it, doesn't he? And then Anakin gets goes through like two, 
I think, in the prequels before he ends up on his final one in Revenge of the Sith. I think two of his get destroyed. Um, so, it's, yeah, I can imagine Jedi make a few. Maybe, like, they'll make one and then maybe, like, oh, let's add some, like, extra silver into here or something and make a new one and stuff. So, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if Yoda had more than one. Being his one, he's Yoda, and two, he's, like, 900 years old. So I'm assuming he's going to make more than one lightsaber in his lifetime. <laughs> maybe for a while we just experimented with dual wielding and then he was like, nah, that's not for me. I'm going to go back to being a, a one-handed duelist. Yeah, true. So I've seen some people on Twitter being like, oh, um, Faithline is, like, decanalizing the, the Vader comics. I'm like, oh, I doubt it. <laughs> yeah, I, d- I mean... I doubt, I, doubt, I doubt Dave Filoni, maybe he's probably read it actually, but I mean, I, d- I doubt he turned around and was just like, oh, screw this comic, I'm going to do my own thing. I think he was probably like, right, okay, well, Yoda had two lightsabers, boom. Yeah, it makes sense. So I just want to get your two cents on it because I've seen yeah. some controversial thoughts on it on Twitter. Yeah, I have absolutely zero problems with it. Um, well, I feel like we've we've very in-depth talked about Grogu, Ahsoka and Luke, and we could probably continue doing it for hours on end, but we need... We, do need to round up the conversation with the other major part of the the um this episode, which was back on Tatooine, where um Zimando comes to see Boba, Fennec, Chrysanthemum, the mods, they're planning about the war. And then Fennec makes a point that we need foot soldiers. Din's like, oh, I think I know some guys, heads over to um Mos Pelgo to see his good friend Marshall. And um, they have that great little conversation in the bar about basically like Din saying like, there's no easy way, just ask for a favour. It's not a transactional thing like it usually is with Mando of like, I'll do this, you give me this. He's literally like, I'm just asking for a favour. I need your help. The war will find Mos Pelgo, you know, Tatooine needs to stand together. All that great stuff. He heads off. And then we have the most Western scene in Star Wars I have ever seen created by the goat Dave Filoni as the notorious bounty hunter gunslinger Cad freaking Bane wanders into Mos Pelgo and has a standoff with Cobb Vamp. I mean, talk us through your, your response to this, John. Were you were you as mind blown as I was? Oh yeah, hundred percent. I mean, as I said to you after the episode that like when the when the silhouette shamefully when the silhouette first appeared in that scene, I was like, oh I wonder who that could be. I don't know why off the top of my head I just had the first thought wasn't Cad Bane it took me about a good three seconds and I was like oh I was like oh damn and I sat bottle rough in my chair and I was like oh my god like, this is this is getting tasty now um, and I, oh, I couldn't believe it and I was just obviously the whole the whole slow walk up to the uh, to the to the stand I was like, I was like what is he going to look like I was like how have they done him in like, live action I bet he's going to look unbelievable and then um I was like, have they still got the same guy doing the voice, which they have, um, same guy from Crime Wars and, and stuff. So that was unbelievable. And it was just, oh, chef's kiss. I mean, Dave Blaney just pulled this character out of animation. It's just as same as Ahsoka and just plucked him straight into live action. And it was, oh, unbelievable. I mean, I'm sure you were, you were dancing around your room when you saw him on screen. Oh yeah, yeah. I've I've always liked Cad Bane. Uh, the I mean, when he appeared in Bad Batch, and we hadn't seen him in. Um, since like season four or something in the Clone Wars so it'd been a while so I was really excited to have him back he's a great character I I was kind of like could we see him in the book of Boba Fett it would make sense for Boba's character for Cad Bane to sort of be like a bit of a big bad but I didn't quite think it would ever actually happen I thought it was all a bit too good to be true and then 
like Colt Vamp is standing in the middle of the street and then the wind chimes start chiming. And I studied Westerns a lot when I was um, studying film and that's like a sign in a Western that a shoot off is about to happen as the wind chimes go. So I was like, oh, who could it be? I was like, who's who's coming to town? And then the silhouette. And as soon as I saw the silhouette, I was like, that's Cad freaking Bane. I just like sat right up in my chair. I was just like, oh my God, it's happening. Um, and then instantly my head started spiraling because I was just like, wait, he's going to kill Cobb Vanth because there's no way that Cobb Vanth is going to beat Cad Bane. I was freaking out. I was just like, oh no, this is not good. Cobb Vanth, one of my favorite characters in this episode is going to die, but Cad Bane's back. So, oh my God, so exciting. So yeah. It was really, really cool. I mean, Dave Filoni has definitely been studying his westerns because everything from the the silhouette in the distance, the slow walk, the sort of the lonely shot of Cobb Vamp standing in the street, the Cad Bane's boots walking into shot, and then the slow reveal of his face, you know, with his hat like covering his eyes. It was just so perfect. And then, I mean, this is this is my western nerd coming coming out full, but like. The, the fact that the deputy then came and stood and they formed a triangle, just like the good, bad, and the ugly. And obviously, Cobb Vanth is the good, Cad Bane is the bad, and then the deputy is the ugly because he's a really twitchy one who draws first. And they literally set it up like the good, the bad, and the ugly standoff. It was one of the most perfect Western tributes I've ever seen in Star Wars. It was so good. And glad to hear Corey Burton back voicing Cad Bane. He absolutely nailed it. I love the look of Cad Bane. He was terrifying, like he should be. I think a lot of people pointed out this face was more round, but I was just like, I think that's just the translation from the Clone Wars art aesthetic where everyone's got longer faces to the real world aesthetic where, you know, because if you translated Count Dooku in Clone Wars to, to live action, Christopher Lee would have had the longest face in the world. So I think that's just sort of a bit of how the translation between the two goes, but I thought he looked brilliant, really scary. Um, his presence on screen was terrifying. And I think, you know, I just think this perfectly sets up next week that Boba and Cad Bane are going to finally have that duel that we've been wanting to see for years. Because I think, you know, we see Cold Vamp at the beginning of the episode outdraws the pikes really easily. Then we were like, Cold Vamp is a good, he's good at quick draw, but then he meets Cad Bane who can completely outdraw him. And then now obviously Cad Bane is going to deal with Boba Fett. And I think Boba and him are going to finally have that, um, Jewel, which I think is going to be perfect for Boba Fett's character because it's really going to be an able, a way for him to confront his past, confront who he was and who he is now. I mean, Cad Bane had that fantastic line about Boba Fett is a merciless killer who worked for the Empire. And, you know, I'm sitting there thinking, not anymore. Boba Fett's kind of a good guy now. Like, shut up, Cad Bane. Like, I think there's some really brilliant stuff. The inclusion of Cad Bane, I think, is perfect. Works so well for the series. And Damn, that was probably one of my favorite action pieces in Star Wars for a long time was just that standoff was the most wex, me, uh, sort of Mexican standoff, Western standoff shit I've seen in years. So the hats off to Filoni. I mean, literally hats off because he always wears his cowboy hat and the goat himself killed it. Yeah, it was so good. Such, a, such an intense... Uh like cinematography and stuff for the, for the shootout. It was just, ah, oh, perfect. And oh, I just love the shots of like, you know, Cobb Banff and, and uh, Cad Bane and the deputy, like all hands on the, over their pistols being like, who's going to draw first? You know, and it was, ah, oh, it was just so good. And, and uh, Cad Bane just looks completely terrifying. Like those big red eyes, you know, the, the mouth of like the sharp teeth. I didn't actually realise how weird his teeth were until I saw it in live action. And I, I think I saw a picture 
today on something on Twitter about like back to the Clone Wars, and I was like, oh yeah, like his teeth are mental. Um, but yeah, I think he looked fantastic, and the voice uh, so good to have a Corey Burton back with the voice because that was such an iconic part of like the character was like just the the deep like rough like Western voice he had, and that was just so good to hear that again. And I completely agree with next week's episode. I think it's going to be it's going to be an explosive one when uh, Cad Bane and Boba Fett come on the screen together. I think that's going to be that's going to be really interesting. So uh, I can't wait, <clears throat> can't wait to see see that because that's going to be oh, that's going to be so good. Yeah, no, oh, I'm so excited. Yeah, and obviously this um, explains the title. From the desert comes a stranger, and that stranger was Cad Bane. And I think Cad Bane's here to mess stuff up. Um, so yeah, oh, it was so good, and I just. Yeah, uh, it was it was rewatching the episode this morning. Like everything with Luke, Ahsoka, Grogu, so perfect, so Star Wars, so beautiful. But it really was like the Cad Bane Cobb Vamp shootout, which like stands out for me as like my favorite part of this episode. It was so impactful, and I mean, like in an episode where Luke Skywalker's you know back, the fact that seeing Cad Bane is a thing that like blew my mind the most is just really saying something. Um, and come on, there's no way Cobb Vamp is dead. He only got shot once in the shoulder. That deputy got like gunned down, but Kovanth got hit once. I think Cad Bane was just like, he shot him and he was just like, I kind of respect him. He seems like an all right guy. So I'll just, I kind of just leave him. Um, so I'm sure we'll see Kovanth back next episode, maybe a bit of bacter on his shoulder and he'll he'll be all right. Yeah, 100%. I mean, Cad Bane's always been like a, you know, a man with a bit of, bit of like a, a questionable bit of honour about him. Um, you know, like uh, back in the episode, the box in like Clone Wars, like he saves Obi Wan's life because um, I can't remember the guy's name was, but whoever was running the box, like was going to go for like a cheap kill on Obi Wan's character, and Cad Bane saved him because it was like if you're going to kill him, do it like a man, sort of thing. Um, so he's always got a bit of honor on him, and the deputy was technically the one to draw first. So um, and then that obviously led to Camp Cobb Vamp, you know, drawing his gun. So Cad Bane only shot him once. He was like, oh, you know. You- just reacted, but we'll shoot you once. The deputy is, is, is getting it. He's getting gunned down. Like he started it. Uh, so he, yeah. he's the one that's going to die. So I, I respect Cat Bang for that. Yeah. Um, and remember, he did the exact same thing to Hunter this year in the Bad Batch and Hunter lived. Mm. So yeah, it'll be fine. Yeah, no worries. Cobb yeah. will be, be, be back Ooh. in no time. And it just sets up the next episode perfectly. Like we've, you know, the Pikes, because I think the Pikes have always been interesting as like the big bad because they haven't quite had that sort of like fear factor to be like shit bobbers in trouble like obviously i know they've got numbers and they're quite a ruthless syndicate but the thing that's made them scary has always been the people that they've used you know the bounty hunters so i think now we know that like really the finale of this is going to be boba fett standing off against cad bane we know that this as you said the last episode is going to be explosive it works perfectly as a villain that challenges everything that boba fett is and will give Boba Fett the opportunity to finally prove that he is, you know, that his time with the Tuscans has, has changed him. And I, I think my prediction will be that Boba will be in a situation where he needs to kill Cad Bane and he will choose not to because he has, he is a different Boba Fett than he was originally to prove that he's not that merciless killer that Cad Bane thinks he is. I think that's my prediction of where things might go. Yeah, I, I agree too. I think there'll be, a similar sort of like shoot out or something and, and bubble to be like, nah, I'm above this. Like, get over it. <laughs> you know, like, 
you being probably be like the same sort of conversation you had with um, Fennec of being like, are you going to die on some for someone else's payroll sort of thing? You know, to fix someone else's problem, are you going to are we going to kill each other? Sort of thing. I can imagine him having the same sort of conversation with with Bane. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I mean, do you think you'll finally get your uh, your Bosk appearance now that we've got Cat oh. Bane? Come on, please. We've got one more episode. Dave, uh, John, what, what are you playing at? See, I'm just thinking, right, Chrysanthemum needs someone in this fight to scrap against. So surely just be like the Pikes hired Bosk as well. Come on, guys, you've got a week left to edit the episode. Just, just squeeze Bosk in there for me, please. <laughs> um, I'm still holding out hope. I still hold out hope. I still, I still think that... Um, I reckon this could be like an hour long episode, like a really big explosive finale, lots of fighting. And I do think that maybe the Pikes need a couple more muscly fellas part of the, as part of the team to, you know, really give Bob and co a run for their money. So I'm still holding out hope for Bosk, but we shall see. Yeah. I mean, it'd be nice to see him. And as you say, it would, it would be nice to like um, have, Someone to go up against like Chrysanthemum, um, being like Wookiee mm. well, like versus Trandoshan is always such a, a hot a hot rivalry in, yeah. uh, in Star Wars. So that, that would make sense. And I'm st- I'll, I'll hold out hope. Yeah, and I'm still standing by that someone's pulling the strings behind the pikes. I just don't even know. I don't think that Cad Bane would work for the pikes. I think Cad Bane, is, he's, he's too like notorious i think he only works for the highest of highest bidders so i'm still holding out that crimson dawn have been the one pulling the strings behind the scene but maybe i'm wrong um we shall see what happens next week but god i'm excited about it yeah me too this wednesday is going to be going to be unbelievable i may have to speed back from work just to uh just to watch it um you Driving obviously at the speed limit for anyone listening, maybe slightly <laughs> over, uh, just, <laughs> just to just to get back in time or get back as soon as possible, so I don't have to miss anything, miss out um, on anything. I can watch it as soon as possible. Yeah, yeah. This weekend would be a really tactical time for you to get COVID, so you jump into some isolation periods. You don't have to go to yeah. work. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Oh no. Put a little bit of ketchup on your LFT, mate. That's how you test positive. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it was a, t- a tactical move. Right, should we uh, should we wrap up this episode with a little our classic character conversations? Yeah, of course. Um, you go first. All right. Well, to be honest, my back my background character is a bit of a it's a bit of a joke joke answer. Um, so apologies for this shocking joke, listeners. But my favorite background character in this episode is uh, Boba Fett himself, because I don't think you could justify him being the the. Uh, the standout character. I mean, his his role in this episode was uh, stand there, look tough, which he did a fantastic job of, um, and a bit of dialogue between him and Mando, uh, and just his- <laughs> organising the boys. Historically, that is the whole point of Boba Fett, though: stand there, exactly. look tough. He's just living True up to all. his empire, empire strikes back name. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, he's, he looks he's just as menacing as he was in the Return of the Jedi, or um, not Return of the Jedi, Empire Strikes Back. So, yeah, fantastic. Back to form, what we like to see, the o- the OG stuff. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, hopefully, obviously, ne- as we said at the beginning, next episode is going to be Bob- Boba heavy. So um, it was nice just to see him in this episode. Yeah, it was nice that he actually appeared this week. <laughs> and it's funny that the the mayor the mayor's major domo has had more lines of dialogue in the past two episodes than Boba Fett. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
I mean, <laughs> at least Tamara got an extra bit of dialogue out of the clones. So, you know, he, he's, he's on his paycheck for this episode. I, I was going to say, he's sitting pretty, you know, he's he's been paid for a full season of television and he's only had to be in five of them. Five of the seven yeah. episodes. Uh, he, he's he, killing he, it. He technically, technically played four characters in this episode, the three clones and, uh, and Boba Fett. So, you know, he's, he's putting a hard shift in. Yeah, exactly. I think my, my favourite background character is the uh, the, the Weequay bartender in uh, in Freetown. And the reason I like him is because he, he was a good character. He was a good little sort of counter to Din's proposal for the guys getting in when he was like, that's city folk business, that's not for us. I connect well with that as someone who grew up uh, in, in, in the rural parts of Scotland and, you know, not wanting to, to, to live the life of the city folk. I, I now live in a city, so I've sort of gone backwards on myself, but, you know, I connect with that. But also the reason I like him is because he is a fi- he's officially fixed canon and that's why I like him so much. He reminded the audience that the name of Moss Pelgo is now Freetown. He was like, Freetown suits us more, which is great because in the aftermath, in the aftermath books, the town that Cobb Vamp was the marshal of was called Freetown. So everyone was like, oh, Freetown, Moss Pelgo, this is a little bit of a retcon. It's not a retcon. It was just Moss Pelgo, and then they changed it to Freetown. So thank you very much to the Weekway bartender for fixing Star Wars canon and for um, being respectful of the Aftermath books. I really appreciate it. And then obviously, like the little shot at the end when Cobb Vamp is like sort of bleeding out on the floor and he has that intense look at campaign when he's like you know, shows you that the, the, the people of Freetown are going to join the fight. That was the moment where he's just like, he was the guy who was like, we shouldn't fight. But at the end, he gives that look and he's like, right, we're going to fight. So I like that. I like the implications of what it means for the people of Tatooine rising up against the the, the crim, criminal syndicates. So I think he was, a, he was a fun inclusion as a character. Yeah, he was. It was nice at the beginning of the, or halfway through the show and he, he stands up to Mando a little bit and he's like, no, this is what we're going to do. And it was like, all right. Stand your ground, bartender. You, we can tell you've got a bit of sass about you. So, uh, yeah, respect to a good a good background character to add to the roster. Yeah, and I just love the idea that one night all the all the residents of Moss Pelgo were just getting drunk in the bar, having a couple of lager beers, and then uh, they were just like, should we change our name? <laughs> <laughs> Any ideas? Freetown. Yeah, it's a good one. Let's go for it. <laughs> Yeah, definitely the first suggestion. I was like, yeah, yeah, that'll do. Yeah, that'll do. That'll do. Yeah, I like that. We are now nice to... after the Crate Dragon died. We are a free town. Good, good name. <laughs> Let's go for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nice. Um, I mean, to be honest, there's not really a huge point diving into who our standout characters are because my standout character for the, for the episode is Cobb Vamp and I've talked intensely. I mean, it's sort of like the Cobb Vamp slash campaign. But like I talked intensely about how much I love that standoff. So I'm not going to bore people about talking about it more. And I know that you talked about your standout character at length as well. Yeah, I mean, mine was just uh, Luke Skywalker, which is a surprise to to no one, I'm sure. I mean, we talked about him at length as well. So um, the obvious reasons are there for why they're the standout. I mean, both our, all our choices are the standout characters. So we won't, won't bore you to death with uh, repeating ourselves, but there you go. <laughs> Yeah, I think the only thing that I need that I need to add onto the end of this episode is the explosion at the sanctuary. I mean, rest rest in peace, Garseth Whip, great character, Twi'lek Baddy, we will miss her. Um, mm-hmm. They specifically showed a close-up of the astromech drummer, a close-up of the Bith saxophone player. There was no close-up of Max Rebo. So I'm going to assume 
because I don't want to be heartbroken that Max Rebo was off that night. He had COVID. He stayed at home. He didn't come to work and he is not dead from that explosion because if Max Rebo is dead, John Favreau, Dave Filoni, you've made a new enemy. Yeah, 100%. It was a very purposeful choice, I think, of them zooming in on the piano player and it was not Max Rebo. So he's definitely still alive. He was out that night on the yeah. pole. <laughs> in the bar next door or something like that he was off like we said every, he didn't he didn't work that night so yeah he, he was just like you know what I'm taking tonight off yeah he's, he's definitely still alive there's no way they'd kill off such a legendary character like that um, because there would be riots in the street so <laughs> he decided he was off to do like a solo performance at Cowman's Bear Cantina in Moss Eisley that night so he didn't he didn't decide to go to the sanctuary <laughs> Yeah, thank God. I mean, it's it's bad enough that we've uh, we've lost Thwip. Uh, she was a, a legendary character. Um, so rest in peace, her. Um, and the astromech drummer. I, I had a soft spot for that astromech drummer. <laughs> sad times. Yeah, sad um, times. But yeah, Max Rebo has gained a talent of escaping two major explosions alive. <laughs> There's something, something fishy about this man. Yeah, I was going to say, so this, confirmed. this starts that is Max Rebo, Sith Lord conspiracy theories. Darth Rebo. hundred <laughs> percent. He's been pulling the strings the whole time. Yeah, could you imagine? Like, we just, it's like 10 years down the line of like the Disney Plus Star Wars storytelling. And it's one of those sort of like reveals where it's just like every single thing is bad which has happened in Star Wars for the last 10 years you just see a little shot of like Max Rebo in the distance has been orchestrating the whole thing <laughs> it's kind of like the memes at the moment where like people keep photoshopping panting bear and everything yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just going to be like in the background of like uh, like Vader throwing the Empire down the shaft Emperor down the shaft it's like Max Rebo in the background it's like yellow yellow eyes <laughs> talking uh, blowing up Alderaan in the New Hope and it's just Max Rebo's the one who like <laughs> presses the button <laughs> that, is, that is a style of content we need to see uh, he was the, tha- the Phantom Menace all along <laughs> 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 oh god well, anyway what, what a way to finish the episode <laughs> yeah fantastic uh, so yeah that about wraps it up I think it's safe to say that me and John both thoroughly enjoyed this new episode of the book of that and cannot wait for next week's episode um so if you are also thoroughly excited for next week's episode of book of that and next week's recap of that season finale then make sure you are following our podcast uh, so you don't miss an episode and you um like follow all our social medias live from vader's castle on instagram vader's castle pod on twitter Life from Vader's Castle on YouTube, TikTok, Twitch, we're all over the place. If you want more from us, um, you can expect more Star Wars conversations uh, as you have had plenty of today. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a very Star Wars <coughs> Star Wars heavy conversation on this podcast, uh, as you would expect. Um, so yeah, thank you very much for for listening, guys, and we'll, we'll see you next week. Goodbye. Bye.